Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, Ben Green, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, that there won't be a cloud milk and cloud for at least a week. Perry's dark night of the soul is over. For almost every other county, a gap of eight years before All-Ireland would be a cause for jubilation. For Kerry, it was a crisis and one made much worse by the glories of Dublin. Beating Galway to win the All-Ireland last Sunday is an end in itself, of course, but it also seems set to be the beginning of something else. We're going to look at the past, at the present and at the future, and we're going to ask why Kerry won the All-Ireland this year. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show in association with Renault. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Oisín McCombell and by two men deep in the throes of celebration, the former Kerry footballer Brian Sheehan and the sports editor of the Irish Examiner, Tony Lean. Oisín, there are no more questions to be asked of Kerry. They are All-Ireland champions. They have, asked, they have answered successfully every question that you posed of them. They have, Paul. and uh, I have to take my hat off to them. Um... What a year they've had. And you consider how they dominated the league and then come into the championship. I just kept, as you say, just kept answering questions, you know, things that were put up to them. Uh, sitting back last night after the game, I'll talk about the game in a second, but sitting back last night after the game, thinking of the pressure that those lads were under, that that was heaped on them from all directions. And, and, and let's face it, Paul, if we're going to be honest about it, from their own people, more so than anybody else. Uh, because... I, on several occasions, I have got very, very excited, as excited as, as I as I get nowadays, uh, uh, about Kerry, uh, where they're going, some of the performances, and it's always been tempered by running into some of the some boys like Brian and Im Fitzmaurice or Gooch or some of them, Tomas, and them saying, "Well, ho- hold on a second, you know, we, we are we're going in the right direction, but we still haven't done what we what was set out to do," and. You know, I talked about that the day after the, you know, that that unbelievable day they had against Tyrone in the league last year, and I don't want to keep harping back to that, but um, like people were bringing me back down to earth about Kerry's performance, not the other way around. Do you know? So um, this team had to deliver. Um, it had to deliver, and it had to deliver in spades. And the only th- way that this team could could um, define themselves was to win an All-Ireland and look at the way they've gone about it. Um, they've had to go into the trenches and at the start of the year, that's the question mark I will put, up, put, up, put, put against them, is that if it's tight, if it's tough, if it's uncompromising, if it's not going the way you want it to go, if it's not going to the script, you know, if it's not free-flowing football, how are you going to get a result? And and do you know what? That was the great thing about the way that they ended up winning all Ireland like against Dublin and then against uh, again yesterday. Now, yesterday, did you think Kerry were good yesterday? I thought Kerry, I thought Kerry failed in an area yesterday that I would never have seen them failing, and that was in the in the final third of the pitch. I thought that they weren't as good in the final third as I would have expected them to be. 
um, probably not as ruthless. But again, I actually think that that adds to the achievement. And the reason why I think it adds to, you, to the achievement is because, again, things aren't going the way you want them to go. You have to think, you know, like the, even the substitutions at half time, like, um, like there were substitutions that needed to happen. I, I, I would argue that in, in, in times gone by, you give Paul Ganey 10 minutes and say, listen, Paul, can you turn this around? Do you know what I mean? But, but he wasn't even given that 10 minutes. And and that was crucial because I thought Killian Spillane had a serious effect on the game when he came on. Um, I think that uh, it wasn't a perfect performance, but it was it was exactly what they needed to do in order to win all Ireland. And in many respects, a, a win to win that way will stand to them better down the lane than shooting the lights out. And I, I, I want to ask Brian about that point. I want, I'll come back to you on the match in a second, but I want yeah. to ask Brian about the point. I think you've got to the a really pivotal moment in the match yesterday, which is when the teams were going in off the field at half time. And I want to ask you, Brian, would you have done what was in your head to do at that point? Was it in your head that David Morn and Paul Ganey had to be lifted? Is that what you would have done? Um. Paul Ganey probably was of concern because I think the chances that he did miss are his bread and butter stuff that he usually converts in his sleep. Um, he was still trying hard, you know, so it, it's it's very hard to turn around and say that you know it was one of those days that things weren't falling in front. I think the two chances he had in the first half that he put wide were scores that you would expect him to to, to, to convert. And I think because he had missed them, and because you have someone like Zakirian Spillane who is let's face it, he is lethal in front of the goal. When you get ball into Killian's hand, he's a finisher, whereas Paul is probably more of a ball winner, well, a better ball winner than Killian. So it's probably a case of, of which do we do here? Do we sacrifice a ball winner or do we go with someone who's, who's clinical uh, like Killian because he does not miss when he's inside in, in that scoring area. So that was possibly one to David Moore one. Um, I didn't see it that much, but again, look, I didn't get a chance to watch the game back, so it's kind of hard to to do it. But I think that's where there's great credit due to Jack. I think that's one of his big strengths, and um, I would probably say if some of the carrying management gone by, I don't think they probably would have made that call. If I'm being honest, but I would think that's where Jack. We spoke about being ruthless. Is it being ruthless, or I just think he's this ability in games to see things happening in games and acting there and then. It's not a case of going back home, watching it, and then realizing, okay, we should have made that change. Or he, he can just see things in the middle of the game and and react them. And, he, and nine times out of ten, he gets it right. Um, look, the one with David, I, I just found it hard to see. Look, things probably weren't going particularly well for him from the point of view of the small things. He he slipped in front of the uh, tackling. Was it Shane Walsh? And there was a soft free in the 30 yard line. He caught a great ball in front of the Q's extend, dropped it out of his dropped hands. It, yeah. Look, things like that, but that happens, you know. It wasn't as if Dave was going bad. I think it was just more, I think they needed a reaction. I think they had to be seen to do something because... There was, uh, a, line, they, there was a line, Brian, that David Moran said uh, yesterday evening. He he was asked about Jack and he, he talked about Jack at half time. seems to have, he seems to have got stuck into them yeah. as well. And that's, that knowing when to do that, it's one thing being ruthless and it's one thing losing the head, but doing it to a purpose is is the key. 
It is, and usually Jack is calm in, in dress rooms. Jack isn't the fella to go yahooing around the place. He's usually very calm, but I just think it was one of those days yesterday where, as O'Sheen said, Kerry, the, the final third, like, kicking six wides in the first half alone, like, and there were six wides that were poor, poor wides. Do you know what I mean? And that was, that's where I was getting concerned because you were, I was thinking to myself, right, after kicking six, well, sorry, I was, I was kind of happy at halftime going in where we were going in, having played poorly, having kicked six wides, and you're only point down at halftime. I, I I take it, but sometimes like that, and I, I even go back to a game we played Clare in 2014, I think, back in Dennis, and like that, usually Eamon would be a quiet character, but he let rip at halftime. I had never seen Eamon know to get, and he, he called Ophelis, you know, called Ophelis out and said, you know, what's going on here, like, and sometimes you need that, and I think sometimes fellas do need that, a bit of a, a wake-up call, it's no point just passing fellas in the back or Trying to lead them on. Sometimes you do, you do, you do need that kick in the backside to um to get you going. Like you know, he gave fellas ten minutes, um, and I, I've no doubt Jack did something very similar as well yesterday. He he whipped a few fellas, and I think that could have put the the, the fire under a few other fellas who weren't performing as well. Do you know what I mean? So um, it, it was a great call. But look, as I say, for the two individuals, possibly Paul, you could just see the things weren't on 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 the day from Mark clicking, and the David one. Look, it just could have been any, a number of things. I mean, I think Jack did reference that 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 he was um, unwell. Was he dead unwell. Um, so look, you just don't know how much that affected him too, from the point of view of not getting stuff into the legs, or and that would knock it all you too. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but again, it just seems to be again Jack just seems to get a rise on the day with those big calls. And and another thing, Brian, when you think about it, and I know you know you don't get too caught up in the club thing here, but just to show. The fact like that, you know, nobody's no nothing. Paul Ganey's club is the same club as the selector, Dermot Murphy, and they're very close friends. David Morn's club is the same club as the selector, Mike Quirk, and they're nearly best friends. Yeah. So, and they'd have had an input into that as well. And I remember when Kerry jogged out Paul onto the pitch for the second half, straight away, like, Jack got everybody's mind working. You saw the two Spillans coming out onto the field and you're thinking, wow, geez, the change is here. And you're looking around. And I think Brian's right. I, th- I thought to myself, well, Killian is coming on for Paul Ganey. Definitely. The, did I see the David Moore one? I didn't at that stage, to be honest with you. I, I was looking around. I thought it might have been Dermot O'Connor was coming off. I thought it might have been even Stephen O'Brien, but I was saying it couldn't be Stephen O'Brien because he'd had such a good first half. They're the big big calls they're the percentage differences that separate jack o'connor from the rest of us the, the, what's his, what's his defining characteristic tony what's jack O'Connor? Again? what is jack o'connor's defining characteristic i remember speaking to a nameless county board official around the time um, of jack being ratified as the manager for this year and you all remember and brian will remember better than most like there was an awful sense in kerry that they were washing their dirty linen in public. There was an awful lot of bloodletting. Peter Keane was having his say. Everybody seemed to be having a say about who should this and who should that. Um, the interviews with Stephen Stack's group, the interview with Peter Keane, the interview with Jack O'Connor were all very different. But I got this sense from talking to people that Jack O'Connor went into a room said he was bringing Paddy Talley in, and if they didn't like that, he wasn't interested in the job. I would think he decided, this is what I need, 
And the county board officer said to me a couple of months ago, but many months certainly after this had all died down, if Jack O'Connor needed to do a deal with Lucifer, he would do it if it was for the betterment of Kerry football. He would go to wherever he needed to go to give Kerry the extra couple of percent. And bringing him in, not just with his previous track record, but the one thing, Paul, you get in any aspect of life, whether it's professional life, whether it's sports management, whatever, the thing you get with experience is judgment. You get really good judgment in the big moments. You get to make the really big calls, and most of the time, you get them right. People will say and have said anything they want about Jack O'Connor. The bottom line is that over the course of this year, if there was 15 big calls over the course, I would say he must have nearly got the 15 of them right. And you can't gainsay that. Any of you can't actually say, well, he did this and he did that. The bottom line is right up to half time yesterday, he got the big calls right. I'm really sorry, I'm actually being unfair when I say he got the big calls right because I know Paddy, Mike and Dermot Murphy would have a big say in that. But as I said, just going back to the point, you got to remember, David, Mor- David Moran is from Strand Road. Paul Gainey is from Dingle. There would have been very close friends of theirs in that enclave at halftime, but I would imagine there wasn't a moment's hesitation. It was, get them out, get the guys in. This is all about getting over the line today. If Oshin, we've, we've spoken about Jack O'Connor there and, and his impact. I, I will say that if you look at a reason for Kerry for Kerry winning that match, obviously Jack O'Connor's decisions. But, but David Clifford would not be a bad place to start explaining Kerry's success in, the, in this year's All-Ireland Championship. Yeah, well, look, what do you say about David Clifford at this stage? Um, at 23 years of age. 23 years of age. Uh, first of all, if we go into reverse, and I, and I, uh, I was on record as saying I, I, I felt when the when... Kerry moved in the way that they moved in order to get Jack O'Connor in. I, I felt at the time it was blame panic. That's that's the way I felt about it at the time. Um because um I felt it was just like let's go back to you know, back to the future. Uh, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure if that was gonna work. And then as Tony makes the point, you see the backroom team that he's putting in around him and you think, yeah, okay. This is a guy who's who's really moving with the times. Um, as far as David Clifford is concerned, I can't explain to you, uh, Paul, the the pressure that was on his shoulders. There was pressure on Kerry, but there was a huge amount of pressure. He was carrying a lot of that pressure, and to perform on a consistent basis whenever the pressure is at its highest is how you judge a footballer. You don't judge a footballer by kicking, you know. 10 points when your team's 10 up. It's when the games are there for the taking. The games are there, you know, in the in the melting pot. The games are there, to, you know, for, for somebody to grab it by the scruff of the neck. Like yesterday was, yesterday for 62 minutes was unreal. It was unbelievable. It was. It was an unbelievable game of football. And I don't think we probably uh, truly appreciated what was going on in front of us until we sit down and, and watch it again. Do you know how how the the execution of the skills, you know, were so good in order to make those two defenses at times 
look pretty average. There was 12 minutes in the second half where it was just we attack and we will score and the other team attacks and they will score. And I loved it. I loved uh, I loved all of those 12 minutes because... Yeah, I did I too. I, I, I really, really enjoyed that match on Sunday. Really enjoyed it. And I think put myself on the sideline, put myself on the sideline and the Kerry bench or the Galway bench and I'm thinking, but but we've practiced to keep control of the game. We've practiced that, you know, we're going to control all of these things during the game. All the set players, uh, we're going to control our kickouts, uh, we're going to control the opposition when they come into our half and all of a sudden there was zero control. And, and that's when... You look on the sideline, you think, on the sideline, you look on and you think, you know, I hadn't really planned for this. You know, this thing is now developing into a shootout. And Galway were very much up for the shootout, very much up for it. Um, and if I take this game in reverse, um, for the last 12, 13 minutes of the game, uh, really and truly, you know, Kerry were just getting stronger. You know, the bench was really having an impact. Uh, you know, Galway's bench weren't having that impact. The one substitution which, which you know, from a from a, from a Galway point of view was the Rob Finnerty one. I just thought he still seemed to have plenty left. I know he wasn't having a brilliant game, but I don't think that that Galway are in the same position just yet as where Kerry are, as in they can replace a Paul Ganey for a Killian Spillane, you know, or, you know, to bring a Killian Spillane in. Like, I think they brought in Finian O'Leary, who, who can fulfil the role of a Heaney or a Kelly and will get up and he will walk, and, but he's not the, you know, he's not the scoring threat that, that Finnerty is. And uh, I'm not sure if Galway could have afforded that substitution at that time. Um, they, they needed all of the ammo on the field that they could possibly have, whether they were slightly malfunctioning or not. So I thought that was a big call. But getting back to the David Clifford thing, when um, the pressure is at its highest, that's when you're able to define a player and he just keeps delivering and delivering and delivering. And it lo- he looks as if, Honestly, this is the way I feel about him. It looks he looks like a gay to me that as the pressure ramps up, he gets cooler. Everybody else is is getting to a point where, you know, they want to do something absolutely outrageous and he does something outrageous, but he does it on the dead of his leisure. And like the things he was doing in yesterday in Crow Park, and you have to give Shane Walsh a shout out yesterday, but the things he was doing in Crow Park yesterday are not easy done. They're not easy done. And you're coming up against, you know, when you look at the physique of, you know, the Galway defence and even that half, even the midfield, a half-forward lane, you look at the bodies that were getting in behind the ball and he, yet he was still able to, off two steps, you know, kick points left and right. You know, he keeps you guessing all the time. You don't know where he's going. He's been, he, he has been a player... Paul, that was so direct, you know, when he first came into like he wanted a goal every time he got the, he got on the ball, and you know what? I think that in long term has definitely helped him because people are still thinking this guy is gonna dip the shoulder and he's gonna go past me, and so you, what do you do? You take two steps off him, and he doesn't. That's all he needs. He just needs a, a half step, 
kick it over the bar. So uh, the, the way that he delivered, and last night I just I just thought he encapsulates everything that was going on as far as Kerry were concerned and the question marks and all of those things. And I don't think the, necessarily the question marks were around him, but they're around his team. And he seemed to take that very, very personal. And he was getting them over the line uh, regardless yesterday. I thought, you know, a phenomenal performance in the in the most uh, trying of circumstances. But I think that's, uh, when you talk about great players and good players or the best players in the country or the best players that play Gilly football, they do it on the big day when it matters. And like we talk about, I, I kind of see Davis from the point of view of the bigger oak the occasion, the better he play. I think you put him into a Super Bowl attendance with a couple of million people watching all around the world and he'll just get better and better. I think he's, it's like he goes to Crow Park because this is my arena and now I'm going to put on a show for you. I think that's the way he goes at it. I don't think... And like this fella had pressure on him since he was 18 years of age since he was playing minor football. The pressure was coming with him all the way through and he's just got better and better and better. And I just think pressure is actually what gets the best of this fella. I think if he's playing in a club game in a couple of weeks' time, I think he's going to find it hard to motivate himself to go out. And, you know, but he's look, he's the kind of character he just loves football so much, he'll do it anyway. But I just think this fella is made for the big stage. I just think that the bigger the occasion, the more this fella says, right, I'm just going to step up here and put on a show for you. And look, at the end of the day, the difference was if David Clifford was not playing for yes, Kerry yesterday, we wouldn't have won that All-Ireland. And yeah, I, he single handedly he single handedly won all Ireland with Kerry yesterday. I keep I like about a couple of scores in the first half, Brian, when Kerry really needed a settler. Absolutely, absolutely. He, he was the one who he called. I I was I was in the Davin, so I was in the upper Davin, and when when the score was three nil or or two nil, exactly what to Kerry hadn't scored, he called for the high ball no. coming. He was signalling to give it into me high. Just just kick it in here. Doesn't yeah. matter how it comes in. Just kick it in here, and I'm going to win it. And there was, was no doubt. That he was going to win it. Absolutely. And what I like about it was, was the majority of his scores yesterday barred two frees. He, he won them himself. He won those won two marks. Himself, those two marks were, were, were hard pass to win. Like they weren't a, kind of a 40 till there jab pass in your, you know, he had to go to the sky for those. Um, and the, the ones he got from play were just fantastic as well. Do you know what I mean? They were, and even that free at the very end that he kicked, like that, that was a pressure, pressure kick, like as well, from the point of view of that angle as well. It's a hard kick down there. And Oshima knows from that angle down there, like, and in, in the hills for the, for the wind is continuously swirling. Like that wind is coming, the sloops around the mm-hmm. stadium and it come back the other way. It's, and just to have the nerve to, and it was at a stage where Kerry needed a score, like they needed the score. And um, look, I just think the bigger yeah. the day that this fella just seems to just our, walk one our, or two steps. Our opposition, our opposition so lads, at, at a place now where you're not into planning to stop David Clifford, you're into limiting the damage that David Clifford can do because you know now, okay, it doesn't really matter whether we, you know, double team him, whether we plus one him, whether we just drop 10 men behind the ball, he's going to find a way. And, you know, Paul, you said it right there. I mean, at the key junctures of the game yesterday, A, when Kerry were struggling early on, he kept him ticking over. B, when it was score for score in the second half, he was knocking scores over with his right foot, which is like supposedly his weaker foot at this stage. And these weren't tap overs either, by the way. And then finally, in the 67th minute, when the game is on the line, there's a delay. The referee pushes him back. He takes a step forward. The linesman pulls him back again 
three metres towards the Cusick stand and he knocks it over again. And at this stage, if you're Porrick Joyce or you're Desi Farrell or you're anybody else at this stage, are you in a place now where you're saying, okay, don't give him a lot of freeze and let's see if we can limit him to three or four points from play? That's basically almost where you're at. I mean, look at him yesterday. He scored, what, eight or nine points? Was it two marks, three freeze, three play? It's kind of like the perfect hat-trick in soccer. It's kind of left foot, right foot header. He'll score any which way. He probably will score a header at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think at this stage, he's... I just think he's at a point now... I think O'Sheen and Brian know this better than, than certainly the two of us, Paul, in this call that, I mean... I just can't conceive in my head how he would have actually kept himself zen in the Friday, Saturday, Sunday build up to that game, knowing that, like, when I say knowing that, I'm not being unfair to the rest of his colleagues, but certainly feeling that if Galway hold me today, if I don't produce today, there's more than an even chance that we are going to come up short. And that's precisely what happened. Maybe that's I, a good thing, though. Maybe I think, he, I think he loves that. Clarity. I, but I think he loves that. I think this fellow, this is what he feeds off. I, yeah. I, I think Gooch was, was similar. You know, there were the kind of players that know that the, the, the result of this game rests on our shoulders. It, it going to, a lot of this output of this game is going to be based on how I perform. And I think these fellas love it. I think they mm. want the pressure of it. And that's why I think they perform, because they just perform best when under pressure, as all great players do in any world so any sport you look at in the world be it golf tennis rugby the best players in the world they perform under pressure because they love to do so under pressure and uh, they do it the big i also i also think tony he probably did terrorize himself friday and saturday you know but he, he's not gonna let us you're not gonna let us know about that you're not gonna let us see any of that and you know that's his playground you know what i mean that's the way he sees it you know what I mean? And when you have those that ability, I mean, there was, there was a lovely moment yesterday. Um, Shane Walsh had stepped inside and kicked that unbelievable point off his right foot, and the ball went straight up the top of the field. And Clifford kicked one, as much to say, "Well, hold on a second. You know, I know, I know, you know, you're here as well, like, but, but this is this is me, like, you know. So it, it just was a lovely moment, I thought, because. The two guys were just on a different planet yesterday, and uh, yeah. and Clifford wasn't letting them away with it. And it was just wonder, it was like it was like a, it was like a tennis match at one stage. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It really was between the two lads. I, w- I wonder as well, lads, how I, I've seldom seen, especially in Kerry, but even with other managements, I've seldom seen a management name check a sports psychologist or a mental health, sorry, a mental uh, preparation coach mental prep, thanks Paul, a mental prep coach, uh, mentioned as often as Tony Griffin has by Kerry this year. I mean, Brian, you know that. I mean, you know back in even your day and before it, like there was a few managers, and I think Jack might have been one of them uh, in his first or second stint, tried to bring in a sports psychologist. And the likes of the Shays, I know, told him, listen, go away, I'm not into that stuff. Get out of the room, you know. And so there's almost... There's almost been a sense in Kerry over the years that that's a sign of mental weakness, that we have to rely on that crutch and we don't want anybody knowing it. Whereas like Jack this year has been the one who's actually gone out and told people of the role of Tony Griffin. And I just saw a quote there from from David Clifford, even talking about 
he's been speaking to people about his prep for his freeze. And Brian, this will interest you in that he was basically saying, I tended to be a bit nonchalant with my free taking. I wasn't actually putting a, a, enough of an actual strategy in the 30 seconds. I wasn't, I wasn't getting myself in that zone again. And for me, Paul, I have to say, whether you're talking about David Clifford's freeze or Kerry generally, it, the one thing that has been so sorely absent, and you've heard me saying it, Paul, and you know, complaining about it, is that ability for Kerry to grind out the close games. When the shit hit the fan, did they have the ability to actually get the deal done? So many times in the recent past, it didn't happen. And Brian was involved in some of them. There were games I would talk about, the 2011 final, the 2013 semi-final, 2015 when they could have won, 2016, 2017 against Mayo. You know, even, even looking at like the 2019 final first game, Cork in 2020, Tyrone in 2021, do I need to keep going? These things have been basically befuddling Kerry for over a decade. And the smallest thing this year was the biggest thing this year in terms of squeaking out those games where it's not, as, as Oshin says there, it's not a game of tennis. It's not something like an NBA game where you score, we score, we'll have a great game. It'll be like the Harlem Globetrotters an all-star game. Kerry didn't bring their A game to Crow Park yesterday and they got the deal done. And that, for me, is the biggest single takeaway from the 2022 season for Kerry football. So, so, so I think this is a really key point. We, we've talked about Jack O'Connor and the experience that he's brought to this and how he's changed these things. We, you've mentioned, rightly mentioned, Tony Griffin, who is referenced all over the place, almost as much as Carolyn Curd is with, with, with Limerick in terms of these preparations. You've talked about the selectors, Dermot Murphy, uh, his, his input and Mike Quirk. And we've spoken as well about Paddy Talley's defensive system. But is it, is it possible or is it not more realistic that there's something else at play here? And that is that these players are simply a few years older, that they themselves have the experience to learn how to game out these matches. That, that Clifford has had those couple of years of honing these and understanding failure and coming out the other side of it and that there's been work through from their point of view. And that those players themselves should actually be getting the great bulk of the credit here. So, okay, I let the other lads answer that. But well, I just I just, I, I just jump in on, on, on that. Sorry, just because it's funny. We had this conversation on Saturday night, uh, just where I was with my uncle and my father. And again, we went to Tony Griffin came up in conversation, and we spoke about how in my time there we had a, a sports psychologist, not full time, but probably came in in the latter stages of the of the year. Um, and I'm not, I'm not like the, o the O'Shea's I know said no I think one of the O'Shea's says I can't even get and start off my own head how is he going to start my head out for me <laughs> um, but I, I I was kind of the same thing that yes they can help us I think an awful lot of this is down to experience hmm. and I'm there's a saying out there and I'm, I'm unfortunately I fall into this category that a fool will learn from his own mistakes a wise man will learn from others and I find out the only way I'm going to learn is learning from my own mistakes and Sometimes when you go into games like that and you lose all Ireland finals and you lose those tight games, eventually it comes a time where you just have to learn, right, what did we do wrong? How can we keep losing here? And if I go back to this group of players, they've kind of been this group of players that started, I think, after I finished up in 17. These 
Peter started getting these couple of players in. Jason Foley had come in my last year. Sean O'Shea had come in in my last year. Um, and all of a sudden, Tom Sullivan was knocking on the best. And all of a sudden, they started getting more integrated into the setup. And they lost in All-Ireland, drew in All-Ireland in 18, lost in All-Ireland in 19, lost at her own last year in the semi-final. And I think that has to stand for a lot. Because when you start going through and experiencing this, you have to start learning. Because if you don't start learning from those mistakes, something's, something's not right. And I'm not trying to take away for one second the impact that Tony Griffin's had. I think it's massive because it's those type games that he's instilled this kind of a mental toughness in them. But at the same time, I think an awful lot of it comes down to experience. And I, I'm just one of those people that I just seem to learn from mistakes. I learn from losing games and how are we going to rectify it? If I find myself in that situation again, how would I play it out differently? And I think that's has an awful lot to play on it too. Um, so to sorry, just also my point basically on the sports psychologist. I think there's a, it's a two way it's two way thing. And there are uh, yeah. How long these players I'm, I'm on that as well. I agree. It's a combination. It surely led it's a combination. It is. It might, be, it might only be 10% sports psychologists yeah. and, and, and 90% experience, but it's that extra 10% that's all you need to yeah. get you over the line. Where do you right. sit on this, Oshin? I remember <clears throat> encouraging the club um, to bring in a sports psychologist in six or seven. <laughs> I remember the first thing he did was he came in and we were out in the pitch and he asked us all to link arms. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a couple of old school lads, four or five of them, and just went, nope. Not <laughs> and I said, but we're only linking arms. Ah, they're too airy fairy for me. And that was it. It was like we were talking about <laughs> we were trying to talk about, you know, that the, what we had was unbreakable. <laughs> and there was four lads having a kick about and the rest of us were in the circle. <laughs> so yeah, so sports ecology, we, we we had a sports ecologist with us in uh, two sports ecologists with us in two thousand and two and they just they changed a lot, you know, around that squad and around the mindset. But what 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 did they do? Uh, well I tell you what they did. They they worked started to work a lot with individuals. You know what I mean? So even just when you come down, you know, Tony talks about the the free taking uh, I noticed that about Clifford in 19. Uh, he missed a couple of frees against Cork that night in... Uh, yeah, 2020, that? yeah. 2020, sorry. Um, and he... he It was it was just like, I'll just kick this over the bar. Whereas now, it's the same routine all the time. I know that sounds like a small thing, but like it's it's a, it's quite a big thing when you're, when you're taking free kicks. Um, you do, like he, he's kicking now... A fourteen-yard free, the same way as you kick a fifty-yard free, and that's the way that has to be the mentality, and that has to be the way you go about it. Um, but I do think that the heart will help with the longevity, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Because I think yeah. there was a there was a previous cohort of of Kerry teams who who came in and they took up the bat and then they won another All Ireland, and then the next crew would win, it, you know. And I think that this famine. <laughs> This famine of eight years <laughs> in hell. Oh, kind of make you sick with eight years as a famine. Isn't they it? don't know they're living, do they? They have no idea. Oh, they have no, no idea what hunger is. No idea what it's like to live in the real world. But anyway, um, <laughs> I just think that you know the 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 heart that they have have um, experienced uh, will make it easier to now go back and and go again. And and I honestly think that there's a real opportunity now for Kerry to 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 double down 
not to think you know we can win another all Ireland like this, but we can actually double down and we can actually you know really really express ourselves. Isn't it? Foley's going to be you know a year older, crucial player for them. You know Gavin White really coming into his own. Morley looks very comfortable in that position. So defensively, you just still need to keep finding a bit. Um, I think, but they're in a they're in a wonderful position, and they're in a wonderful position. Uh, as I say, and that is helped by the fact that there has been so much hurt, there has been so much criticism, there has been so many question marks from Alexi you, Paul, and uh, and now they've now they've answered them, um, and now that there's an opportunity to, as I say, kick on maybe another step, and not like when they when they start again next year. There's the the baggage is gone. Do you know what I mean? And and that baggage, and especially as I say, from their own, uh, would have weighed very very heavily. Um, so got rid of a lot of that baggage yesterday. But I I, I hope and I think as you say, this the baggage is gone. But I hope that they were they got a taste of success now. And I recall when when I first came into set up, we we got a taste of success, and we wanted more. And that was the big thing we wanted. We wanted more. Uh, it, it was so good. We loved everything about it. The just the whole team bonding from that. Everything from the point of view of that, that goes with winning in All Ireland. Um, the celebrations, the bonding, the, the feel good factor. And I genuinely hope that this isn't the case of what oh, we just won the All Ireland baggage is off us now. I hope that they get a taste. Of, they have a taste of success, and they say, "Hold on a second, we want more of this." You saw with Dublin, they got a taste of success, and they just went after it every time. And I hope this group, they finally have a taste of success. They know what it, what it is. And I really hope now that they knuckle down again next year and say, right, I want this again and go after it. I, I think, Brian, I will be stunned if Kerry do not come back next year. Absolutely ravenous to do this again. And I, yeah. Oshin, I think Oshin made a, a brilliant point yesterday talking about Shawnee O'Shea. So Shawnee O'Shea yesterday did not have a stellar game going around the place. He didn't kick his long frees. From the minute he missed that first free from the throw-in, you kind of thought, okay, he's not quite, he's just slightly off it yesterday. But his work rate, his tackling, as Oshin pointed out yesterday, it kind of, it shows you the fundamentals of the team <laughs> that seem to be right. But I, I want to talk for a minute about Galway here because with four or five minutes left in normal time yesterday, Galway were right in this match. And I, I think it's a contentious free that was given in front of the hill that time to put Kerry to put Kerry ahead. I do think Kerry were going to win at that point. I think they were they were they looked to have got a little bit of a hold on the game at that stage. But it was a contentious free, and Galway have come a huge way this year. Do you see Galway as the main contenders now? in all of this, particularly if they can add to what Shane Walsh did yesterday, because the rest of the forward line did not fire yesterday. But Shane Walsh was immense. Do you want me to answer that? Yeah, Paul? please, Tony. Um, I, I, would, I would agree with you about the free. Um, I, would, I would say I'm not too sure too many refs would have given a free in right at that point. I mean, technically, you could make the argument that it was a free, that he did pull in Killian's Balan. Um, I don't know how many would have given it. The, what wasn't mentioned yesterday, and this isn't doing a tit for tat on it, but I saw it because obviously I had a monitor in front of me in the press box. 
about two, three or four minutes beforehand, yeah. Killian McDade was bursting through from midfield and he was met with two absolutely perfect shoulders and he went down. It was absolutely not a free yeah. and Galway scored from that. So, I mean, you know, you could get into it. I think Parag Joyce was quite animated and rightly so because the scores were level at that moment. It was 16 points all. I think what, what, what you have to say about Galway is... And I met quite a few Galway people down around the dressing room area afterwards. And the general sense of it was, OK, now we know we are on the level. Now we know we can actually compete. And I think, the Paul, the, the point you made just there about it, which while everybody was talking last night and this morning about Shane Walsh's tour de force, what that also meant, by the way, was that Shane Walsh was keeping Galway in the game to a largest extent with his brilliance. Because even though Patrick Kelly did okay, Matthew Tierney was largely anonymous. Johnny Heaney didn't do a lot. He had a goal chance early on, didn't get it done. Damien Comer ended up out at midfield, actually winning ball, which says everything about what Jason Foley did with him. Rob Finnerty was taken off. You know, like there was a lot of players. I think Killian McDade um, certainly would have been, for me, apart from Shane Walsh, would have been man. Yeah, man. Killian McDade was outstanding yeah. yesterday. Outstanding if Galway had won the game. I think Liam Silk did well. I think Jack Lynn did very well. I think John Daly had an unbelievable first half. Absolutely. So the point is, while we're glowing in our praise of Kerry in terms of getting over the line, this was virgin territory for a huge number of the Galway players. And again, the two lads on the podcast here will know this better than me, that what that will do for them in terms of just their inner sense of worth, forget like belief or anything else, their inner sense of worth that we went toe-to-toe with the All-Ireland champions. The one question you're left with, the one question you're left with, and it was said to me, by a Galway man standing beside the team bus when they came out afterwards. You get these opportunities in life. You're level at 16 points all with three or four minutes to go. Did you leave a big one after you? Because from the 64th to the 76th minute, that's 12 minutes of football, Galway didn't raise a flag. And there will, of course, there's massive pride and there's massive hope for the future. But when you get there and you're in that thing, when as Pat, as Jack would say, when the fat was in the fire with a couple of minutes to go, was that the difference ultimately? That they hadn't been there before? And how much will they take from that? So they're not thinking right this morning, Paul, oh, the future is great for us in 2023. But I'd say certainly in terms of if we were to do the one, two, three, four for next year, you know, that's that's an interesting conversation. If we were to do our power rankings right now, Oshin, for the end of the year, looking ahead, you'd be saying, given the fact that they were both in the final, you'd be saying Kerry one, you'd be saying Galway two. After that, are you looking at maybe Dublin, Armagh, Derry? In that order? Oshin, what do you think? To be honest, because of yesterday, I'll probably go out of goal and maybe a three. If you're looking into the future, if you, like obviously, you know, if you're, if you're looking into the future, and the reason for that is that goal will realize now they need to find a few, mm. you know, they need to find four or five. Um, and obviously, my Cairns will come hopefully come, come back in for them, so that will add to them, but Dublin. Dublin with a uh, uh, possibly a new a new uh, regime, 
and possibly with you know probably with Conor Callum back and maybe one or two more um, and the way uh, they played in the second half against Kerry so we'll probably go Dublin Kerry Dublin Kerry Dublin Galway um, and then there's a multitude of teams just in a wee cluster I think like you can even I would even throw the likes of Mayo Armagh Derry Donegal Tyrone uh, who am I missing what's the obvious ones I'm missing just below that so yeah so I'd say there's a cluster then you know and, and the, there are a lot of managerial appointments going there to be are. made in the next month and they are fundamental to how next season works and I went through this morning I read the it's amazing the way a game finishes and you already start casting forward to next year and wondering because I think there is this sense and it was repeatedly said about Kerry if they win one that it could bring, it could open the gates here to to this as a young team, and that they will be, they will do put them after put them one after the next. So I looked at the structure for next year's championship, and um, there are there there are PhD theses which are less convoluted than some of the decisions being made in next year's championship. So we're going to what will inevitably be called a round robin, uh, or inevitably called a Champions League style competition after the provincial championships, which basically means a round robin. Mm. Uh, after that, 16 teams. So we're going to have 90 championship matches next year in a tight window, yeah. which is the same size up from mid-60s this year. The Ulster Championship is going to be paid or played off in five weeks. So that's going to be like, I just going to be stretcher bearers bringing the team down to Dublin um, by, the, by the time they, 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 they reach the All-Ireland knockout stages. It's going to get really, really interesting to see how a team can manage its way to a provincial final which gets you through to these round robin stages and then how you get through that all ireland championship in a way that you reach a quarter final stage where you're set up to take off and that is not going to be straightforward for teams with small panels i think no, i think that's the, that's the, the huge benefit for kerry is that they've blooded a lot of players over the last <clears throat> number of years and Tony, this is this is where well, that's a long way of asking what is basically a very short question. We've spoken about a lot of people getting credit for what Kerry have done. What credit does Peter Keane get for for what for Kerry winning this All Ireland? Um, I don't think what credit does Peter Keane get for winning this All Ireland? I mean, obviously, Kerry were very near it. Like when when you know. You, some people talk about lucky generals. I think there would be a view that Peter Keane was an unlucky general. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, I suppose you could pick holes in anyone, Paul. The 2019 final, I firmly believe Kerry should have won that game in the first day. Um, they turned the ball over four times when they were a point ahead at key moments in the last five or six minutes. Is that Peter Keane's fault? No, it's absolutely not. You know, certainly he has to share some of the blame. Or sorry, he see. We keep saying this. We keep thinking that it's just down to the manager. I mean, you know, there, if there's a selection group, they all have an input. Twenty twenty, I think the team was set up badly against Cork, but I still think that they were unbelievably unlucky. They just got absolutely suckered in the last minute. And twenty twenty one, you know, you see, this depends which side of the coin you want to look at it from. You can say. They were very unlucky because David Clifford wasn't on in extra time. And if he was on in extra time, they'd got over the line. The bottom line is they conceded three goals in that semi-final. 
Kerry didn't concede. Sorry, they did actually in the end. They conceded three goals in the entire season this year, between two in the league and one in the championship. So, you you know, I think Peter Keane was an unlucky general. I think if things had fallen other ways, he might have actually ended up breaking that cycle, the famine that O'Sheen likes to reference there. It was only seven years last year. But I do think there are subtle but crucial differences to the setup this year. I mean, if you were actually talking about the one, two, three, four, five of how Kerry won the All-Ireland this year, they're all small increments, Paul, but they're all crucial increments. You know, the emergence, by the way, of Graham O'Sullivan. We haven't even mentioned Graham mm. O'Sullivan yet. But Graham O'Sullivan has been knocking around the Kerry setup for quite a few years. What's he? He's Brian. He was a, you remember him. He was a stellar minor, really going under 20. I thought to myself, you know, he'll burst straight onto the scene. It's really only been this year. And remember, we discussed it after the Dublin game that how Paddy Clifford stepped up in that yeah. crucial moment. Well, Graham O'Sullivan was that player, yeah. Yeah. Graham O'Sullivan was the guy like Brian O'Begliak in the last few minutes against Dublin when he had to make the hard runs for Shane Ryan's kick out like when it, when it was a question of overlap when it was a question of getting on ball and when it was a question of having the balls to take on a shot at a crucial moment in the game Graham O'Sullivan was making his debut in an All-Ireland final yesterday I mean in fairness to the guy he was outstanding you've got to remember you're talking about next year Paul there's a lad called Stefan O'Cunberg from the Gale, who was over in Australia. He's back now. He's had a brutally unlucky season with injuries. Like, he is another defender. He is a full-back. He could play centre-back. He could play midfield for Kerry. He's a serious athlete. You've got to remember, Tony Brosnan hardly got a look-in in the latter stages this year. So, in terms of where it is next year, I think Kerry won in All-Ireland when all the dices were loaded against them in terms of the sequencing of a season. I do think certainly in terms of frequency of games, and Eamon Fitzmaurice always said that, if you can go game to game, week on week, or better on, week on fortnight, like the, the teams that go down to number 28, 29, 30 are going to have a huge advantage. I don't buy, by the way, Paul, what you're saying. I think it's too facile to say, and I'm not saying you're just the one saying it, because everybody seems to be saying, oh, that's it, the handbrake is off, no, Kerry. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I, I don't, I'm only referencing what other people are saying. Yeah, that. exactly. I, it, doesn't, I it doesn't work like that. It's not that simple. There's yeah. an incredible appetite. There's an incredible thing, number of things, um, small increments, as I call them, that went for Kerry this year that they got right. There's no guarantee, by the way, that they, go, that they get those things right again next year. They mightn't get those things right next year. So, you know, I mean, I think who said it last night? Was it somebody said it last night after 2014? There's a lot of people in Kerry thought to ourselves, we're back now. Eight years later, they were still waiting. Was it Gooch? Yeah, one of the lads said that. I mean, like, you know, so there's no there's no guarantee you take what you could get. And I I I have to admit, when and I, I suppose it's my hang up about them not getting across the line previously. When Galway went 14 12 ahead ahead yesterday, I genuinely thought to myself, uh oh. I think Galway are going to actually get this done. I really do. But what I didn't take into account, lads, is I didn't take into account that extra percentage point, two, three, or four, and whatever the reason for it is, Brian, of Kerry basically being able to grind out a result in awkward circumstances this year. That, for me, is the fundamental difference. So I, I think know. there's one other difference. I think yeah. there's one point that we have to talk about here. 
I watched the match late last night again, and I it, this is a rough starting of it, but more or less from kickouts, from their own kickout, the teams were level. So I think Galway maybe got ten, depending on which way you read it, ten or eleven scores from their own kickout, which they ended up scoring from point of origin of attack, and Kerry were one less than that. Both teams scored two points from taking the ball off the opposition's kickout. Galway got one point, which came directly from the throw-in. But the key difference in the match was, from what I can see, Galway got two points more or less from turning over ball that Kerry had. But Kerry got seven or eight points. From turning over eight points, okay, from turning over ball that Galway have. So Mm. I think the point of those turnovers were 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 twofold. Number one, Kerry's tackling is way, way up this year on what it has been previously. I think they're strong enough and physical enough and get enough people there in a structured way to turn over the ball. And also, Galway were loose at key stages yesterday and gave really sloppy passes based around poor decisions at crucial moments, which gave Kerry an out of the game. Well, if, if Galway had been able to squeeze the nut a little bit tighter, just tighten things a little bit more, I think Kerry would have, would have become even more challenging for Kerry yesterday. Mm. What's in? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think the turnover stat was the one that I looked at. It was 8-2. And uh, the, the the as you say the, the improvement and the level of the tackling um, from a carry point of view, the way they're able to turn the ball over and how quickly then they can transition it is uh, is is you know hugely impressive and you know it's it's part of you know that is it that is it a change that's a dramatic change from what has gone on beforehand so that's down to management coaches. Uh, backroom team um, that's a clearly defined thing that Kerry wanted to do Kerry want to be seen as being tougher stronger uh, more difficult to break down and uh, that's that that's that's the stat you look at when you when you look at a team and how hard they're walking mm. Brian what's it's so we're we're now at about we're recording this on on Monday morning it's it's quarter past 10 on Monday morning What's happening now in the in with with the Kerry players? Hard to say. Yeah, there's probably a few stragglers um, pick themselves and probably done the dart already. I'd imagine. Um, I think, in fairness, that they I don't know what the story now at the moment is with COVID and restrictions and and things like. But they they asked to carry the cup to Crumlin. Um, so what again? I don't the know hospital to the children's the, hospital. The children's hospital, yeah. So again, I'm not sure if that's something that's, that's happening at the moment due to restrictions, but it was always um, the ritual, I think, of the All-Ireland winners to, it was to do that. So whatever couple of fellas you could gather on the place that were acceptable to, to go, <laughs> and then <laughs> they went. But um, no, look, as it says, we, we spoke last week about the difference between losing, what, what it's like losing from the point of view of waking up Monday morning. and Yeah, what does that feel like? What does it feel like to wake up a winner? Oh, you bounce, three bumps of a bit. You jump up, you know, it's just, just complete opposite. It's just the best feeling in the world. It's just, you're jumping out of the bed, you're jumping to the shore, your suit on again, ready to go. It's just, everything is, is a buzz. Who did you uh, room with? No, it, it, um, I, at fair rate, I roomed with um, Donica Watch for a small bit. It, for some reason, my, my room has kept changing around every so often, but I, I had a good spell with, with Danny for a small bit. I was at Donica Watch for a good bit. So, was that there, uh, doing? Yeah, that <laughs> <must> be it. <laughs> um, so it's it very, but uh, probably the latter stage of the year was was uh, was, was killing a good bit. Um, 
but um, no, the nights of the All Ireland, you were you're with your partner, so the nights at the game. So, but um, it was a case of of um, just get out of bed and get out and enjoy the celebrations, and you know everything was just easy. You just went with the flow. It was um, it was it was easy to do. It was just all you're doing is just celebrating. That's it, really, just enjoying having a crack. Just, there's very little talk about football, to be honest. With you, I think the game is over and done with. Whereas the opposite is going on in Galway. They're dissecting the game, dissecting the game. Fellas, questioning. This questioning that, so it's, it's completely two different camps, completely two different feelings, and without a doubt, the the, the best place to be at the moment is is, is in the Kerry camp. And in terms matter. of what it does for you as a footballer, and how you carry yourself over the coming months and into next year, what does it do for you? Um, well, in fairness, like I think it's as we spoke about last week, how you 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 come off back losing your straight into club football. Like the intermediate is starting next weekend with the with the clubs here, so they're, they're going to be going straight back into club football. So whatever way they look about it, they'll enjoy this week um, and they'll enjoy it as much as they can for as long as they can, and they'll go straight back into club football. And these fellas, <laughs> they'll be knocking lumps with each other the week after next, and that's it. And you get on with this, and and that's what you do. Um, I kind of feel sorry from the point of view with the way the structure is for the the county players because let's be honest, I don't think they'll have much of an off season. You know, whatever happens here from the point of view, I know it's a, it's a it's a split season. It is for the club there, but it's not for the the county players because at the end of the day, they're going to have a club championship, they're going to have a county championship, they'll have a local district championship down here, and they're expected to go back in playing carried in training in the November December. So I, I feel sorry for these fellas, and I I, I worry, worry about fellas that have injuries. They know that would be carrying knocks throughout the year. Um, are they going to get the time off to to rehab them? I think that was probably one of the things I found very, very hard in the mid noughties in particular. I think we were coming off the back of winning in Ireland or involved in all Ireland's. We then were very successful in the county championship with, with South Kerry. Um, at that time, we'd have, we'd have a fantastic um, group. I think we went to four county championship finals. That wasn't finished until October. At best, if you went, if you went to a county final, uh, probably November, sorry, because the all Ireland played in September. And then you're straight into a local championship at home here, which was usually finished off on possibly Stevens' day or Christmas Eve, depending. And you're straight back into Kerry then in January, facing into the league. So it's going to be difficult for some fellas. Um, but again, look, um, they're going to be on a high. They'll be on a high. And, yeah. Um, it's I think that thing of being on. It's that thing of being on a high, though, as well. Can Ocean, what did it do for your sense of self winning an All Ireland? It's probably a lot different, you know, coming from Armagh than it is from Kerry. I mean, like people lost their minds, you know, and for weeks and months. And, you know, we had, I remember we had club championship two weeks later. So, like, the the first week after is complete blur. Um, You know, we, it had to go, the club had to go everywhere. Even though we had it for a year, it had to go to everywhere, you know, within that first week and it's busy. Um and you sort of start you sense <laughs> you almost get to the you know, you, you run on adrenaline until the following maybe Saturday or Sunday and then you just fall to pieces. Um, you know, it's like it's it's a big downer and then you go back to club training and you start to get stuff going again and start getting yourself up again. But um it what did it do for self? It changed things. It changed things dramatically as far as the... I just think the way people view you, and I know it's only winning the football match, but the 
the way people view you and the way people talk to you and and you know the things that are that once seemed uh quite difficult uh whether it be membership of a golf club or or uh, <laughs> entry into a nightclub or whatever it is just seemed a lot easier um all of a sudden and uh just how you deal with that then do you know what i mean so yeah it, it give it give you an enormous sense of uh self-worth and also um even just when you played, you just felt, you know, a couple of foot, feet taller. Um, and I always loved having a target on my back, personally, as in, <clears throat> you know, people, you know, coming to mark you, you know, coming to try and block you out of a game. And uh, obviously that was the case then. It, it goes to a different level, you know, and and uh, the intensity, the abuse, the all of those things and that. I, I particularly liked, I particularly liked that um as a as a player um and i think you know again it's it's a strange one because you're after doing something with a crowd of boys and there's a, a crowd of lads and you're so close and you've got you know, one of the things that they will one of the things that they will find i think one of the things that the players will find is that you know for all the team bonding you do for all the time you spend together these this week is crucial um, and the reason why it's crucial is because um, this is an opportunity to enjoy each other's company. There's no pressure on, you know, you can just go, you can enjoy it, you can do things that, you know, you know, you're not, you're not able to do, um, you know, in the, during the season. So, you know, just go enjoy each other's company and, and that obviously that stands you in a big way. But again, club championship starts and, you know, you're, the chances are your 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 opposition or the man who's marking you is somebody who you're after winning all Ireland with, and you know, just completely forgotten <laughs> in the space out, of out, you know. Out, com- out you go. Before before we finish up here, I want to do a couple of things very quickly. Um, Tony, I'm going to go through them with you first. Now, you proposed Thomas Sullivan for Footballer of the Year last week. I'm not sure that that can survive his experience in the All-Ireland Final. However, no. who do you now say is Footballer of the Year? Well, I'm going to be completely unpredictable here and say David Clifford. David Clifford, Young Footballer of the Year. Ooh. Young Footballer of the Year. I, who did I text you, Paul? I, you, you actually asked me that. And um, Young Footballer of the Year. I think, I think up to the semi-final, Lee Gannon. Yeah. I think Lee Gannon had a really, really good year. Um I think Jacqueline had a really good year. Um, Richard. Richard. Yeah, I really think he did. Um, and I'm looking through the Kerry lads yesterday. Does Graham O'Sullivan qualify now as a contender? Is he, we're, we're massaging the rules here, so we're we're we're, we're, not gonna, we're, we're almost looking at it in terms of newcomer of the year rather than the age of the person. Well, so, so to me, to me that would. To me, that would suggest uh, that he, he you can go with Graham O'Sullivan. I think Jack Jacqueline is a great shout, by the way, as well. Yeah, Should we all yeah. agree on David Clifford is going to be footballer of the year? Is that more or less yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, good enough for Very me. hard to get around. Manager of the year, Tony. I, I'm sorry again, but I mean, I I've had many many a row, Paul, and you've had many many even in your short relationship with him with Jack O'Connor. You know, he wasn't known as Cranky Jack for a reason, but like. I have to tip my hat to what he has done this year. Um, I just think he has got so many big calls right. And I come back to what I say earlier. If there's one le- life lesson out of this is 
the more experience you have, the better your judgment. And I thought his judgment this year was spot on. I'm sorry for being predictable because you like to go with a manager. Yeah. Like a Jack Cooney or like somebody. Yeah, like you, that. Could, you could talk about Jack Cooney or you could talk about Billy Lee. Both of yeah. or you talk about Rory Gallagher's brilliant job. And I think Porrick Joyce and his management team in Galway yeah. have done an outstanding job this Great. year to improve a team repeatedly. I was really interested in the thing that happened for people who weren't at the game or they might not have seen this. The fact that Galway had 40 players togged out yesterday, uh, all of loads of whom went in for the initial photograph and then were headed to the stand in their full gear afterwards. Yeah. That's a huge panel that's there. It's going to be really interesting to see who manages, who, who emerges from there. Lads, are you going with Jack O'Connor as manager of the year? Yeah, I go Jack O'Connor and obviously a dolphin of the cap to you for you know, getting them into the position. And absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this nonsense has to stop. We need to stop this now. Um, you, you got a mention in the match program, even Rosa yeah. yesterday. That'll tell you, that'll tell you the stellar name that you are now. I want, Andes. yeah, yeah. This really isn't helpful. This really isn't helpful. And I want to be absolutely clear. I want to be in no way associated with Kerry everyone. Any other than um, the um, game of the year. Tony. You're asking me again? Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah. The, game, the game of the year, oh, that's a massive toss-up. For absolute end-to-end -end excitement, I'm going Galway Armagh, but I did, I did think that the Kerry-Dublin game for large stages was a throwback to the great heavyweight clashes between them of you know, heavyweight against heavyweight, blow for blow, punch for punch. But just in terms of just the insanity of the whole thing, I think Galway Armagh. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, I find it very hard to argue with that. I suppose you could say for the quality of football, if you're being nitpicking, you're going to say the quality of football was played between Kerry and Dublin was at the top level. But for pure entertainment and madness, you probably have to say the Armagh Galway game. Yeah. Oisin? Uh, Armagh Galway, but I, I yearned for another 20 minutes of Dublin Kerry. Oh, I would have. I wouldn't want. I would never want a, a gay to miss a free kick in that in that situation. I would never. But I just. I wanted. I just wanted. I wanted more. I just. There was. There was just so much in that in that Dublin Kerry game. Just only, only neutrals. I think are Dublin people who want to yeah. 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 I would have easily. Would have easily took another another twenty minutes of that. I'd have, but, feared, for, I'd have feared for Kerry if that went to extra yeah. time. I I will say that you might get your extra time in that game and it could be the final of the 2023 All-Ireland Championship, which brings me to my last question to you, Tony, the winner of the 2023 All-Ireland. Oh, God. Um, the winner of the 2023. Um, I'll tell you what, no, you're going to say that that's going to be Kerry and everything like that. I think Kerry have a nice bit of business to do um, between the start and next year. And I know... O'Sheen and Paul are going to throw their eyes up to heaven here, Brian, when they hear us saying this. Go on, Derek. Can't wait to hear how Kerry dropped to number six in no, the power No, 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 no. Patrick O'Sullivan and his executive. Sullivan and his executive have an important, some important bits of business to take care of. I think that there's going to be a new Kerry minor management in play. I think there's going to be, there is definitely going to be a new Kerry under 20 management in play. If Jack O'Connor was to walk away tomorrow morning and say, lads, I've done it again. I've come back for a third time. I've won my fourth All-Ireland. I'm 61, but you know what? I'm done. Who's the next Kerry manager, Brian? That's the, that's the big question. I, it is. It is. And uh, look, it's, it's, that's the thing about us. Um, 
How yeah. how are you even having this conversation? There is because no what, way Jack O'Connor is going to walk out. All I'm asking is your it's succession planning. Kerry have got to know, say, we're not waiting another eight years for another All Ireland. We need to get our ducks in a row. They are lucky. Ducks are in a row. Why, you, are why, are lucky, why are you yeah. talking about Kerry Jack O'Connor? Kerry Jack O'Connor is looking here at two in a row and then three in a row. Yeah, Kerry. Oh, oh, be careful. Be careful. They're avoiding the question. Be careful. Kerry are looking I, 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 it's there. brilliantly done. Obfuscation. Fantastic. Tony, it was a simple question. Who is going to win the 2023 All Ireland? One word answer, please. <laughs> is the line well, gone? I'm refusing to answer that. Dublin or Kerry? Dublin or Kerry? How do you answer? Do you say who you think is going to win it? <laughs> like, I mean, you're asking me the morning after okay, the listen, lads, The morning after the morning. I'll ask Oshin. I'll ask Oshin as he describes himself as the senior analyst. <laughs> Man, news are contrary. I hope I'm not that, that contrary when I get to your age. Um, <laughs> Kerry. Brian, one last go at it. It's the morning after. Like... There's so much factors come to play. Like, what's the story with Dublin? Are Dublin going to stick with the same management? If they don't, are the likes of Paul Mannion, Jack McCaffrey going to step back into the fray again? Do you know what I mean? No. Condor. Like, there's so many questions. You have a new setup with the, the, the league or the championship next year for this Rome Robin series. It all depends on players. Is David Clifford got a knock or if he got injured or it's going to come down to squads? Like, Jesus, that's a, it's, it's a question that's... But like, look for the sake of it. Just for the sake of it, we're after winning the All Ireland this year. I will just say Kerry will win it next year. <laughs> and that's only no, no, just throwing. No, that's only just throwing out a comment just for the sake of it. To be honest. Yeah, Jersey. no, but I I'll no, just answer course, a question. But the whole, of course, it's a speculative thing. But if you look, if you were to be in charge of any team in the coming year at this particular point, it would have to be Kerry. Looking at the yeah. balance of players that they have at their disposal. But sure, they're honored under champions, of course it is. Exactly. Like, like them so, no, as a starting point. Yeah, as a, as a, but as a starting point, that's I think that's the starting point. It's really interesting what's happening in Dublin and the stories that are around Dublin this weekend and the sense that Desi Farrell is about to go and the names being bandied about of people who are going to take over at Dublin again. So, for example, there's WhatsApps flying around the city and people whispers going that Pat Gilroy might be back or that Declan Darcy, the great coach under Jim Gavin is going to come back as manager with Mick Bohan involved in him. There's talk that Stephen Cluxton is going to be part of the management team. And then there's another WhatsApp going around, which says that Paul Mannion has agreed to come back into the panel at this stage. It's, <laughs> it's actual madness. I was there yesterday evening. The talk is that who's going to take over Monaghan? Who's going to take over Donegal? Will... Anthony Cunningham still be there in Roscommon. All of these things are in churn, whereas Kerry now have stability. And that must give you a great starting point. Yeah, but outside of outside of Dublin there, I, th- I still think those teams you mentioned, Monaghan, Mayo, Donegal, I think they're still well off the pace. I don't think, to be honest, whatever manager comes in there, I still don't think they're at the pace of the top three or four teams that are going yeah. to for the All-Ireland. Um, Look, Kerry are in a great place. Yeah, they are. Look, sure, they're Ireland champions. Of course, we're in a great place. Do you know what I mean? Um, the only thing big powerhouse that's out there is Dublin to see what they are going to pull together for next year. Because at the end of the day, Dublin go- could have been a Dublin Galway or Ireland final had Con been playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what I mean? So, like, Dublin are going over. Um, and if anything, we'll see they might possibly get stronger for next year. So, look, uh, I think the other management appointments, 
it's a big call for those counties. It's a big call to see where they're going to go from here. And I look, for example, Donegal. Uh, they've always been branded around, knocked around the place from being at their contenders for this, but they've time and time again they just failed. They just haven't turned up in the big day when they've had to. Who's going to step in there and do that? Uh, Mayo, again, another team that's just look, we spoke enough about them from their failings. Is a new manager going to come in and, and, and change that? Because I think that's the big thing. He's going to have to try and find forwards. They're going to have to come up with something to stop the same rot happening over and over again of the same mistakes being made, decision making. So, but again, I think they're well off the pace of where you're going to talk about all Ireland contenders for, for next year. Plus. And one other question, Brian, uh, again, and it's a serious question that Oshin might be able to answer. Um, Paddy Talley, I'm think I'm right in saying, has, was on a career break this year. Is Paddy Talley going to be on a career break next year? Has he signed up to be with Kerry again in 2023? It's a big, that's, a, that's an important yeah. issue too. Yeah. Yeah, it's gathering people. It's gathering people around you rather than losing them. At at this yeah. point, is is where um, is where you think things are to be going. Uh, we're going to have uh, a special show in the coming weeks to discuss the Sunday game team of the year. We don't have time to 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 go into it today, and we're going to try and pick uh, our all star team in in the coming weeks. I want to finish before uh, before we go by congratulating Kerry footballers, Kerry management, well done to Kerry players in general. And to note as well, uh, yesterday before the game in, in Croke Park, there was a, 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 a condolences passed to Kevin Behan, the great former loud footballer. And anybody who um, has been in and around the boar's head will know how well his great friend Hugh Hurricane uh, had a friendship with Kevin Behan and how Kevin was a, an unbelievable character for those who didn't know him, he um, he played. He's from Loud. He played in the '57 All Ireland Final. Was one of the key winners in that team. He'd previously actually gone to school in St Pat's in Armagh, Oshin, and he lived a life out in, in Dublin. Lived in Fibsborough. A great character in in the area of Fibsborough. And as recently as last Friday evening, two nights ago, in hospital, he was sitting up in bed drinking a bottle of Heineken, which had been smuggled into him, and it's now. If there, there's no good way to go, but if there is such a thing, um, it is uh, not too bad. So absolute condolences to his family and uh, to his friends. Thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, to everyone at Examiner Sport. Thanks to Renault for their support uh, over the weeks. A huge thanks to Ushi McConville, to Brian Sheehan, to Tony Lean for joining us today. Bemich Harnash Galua. Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. I, I, a grain of rice. A grain of rice. is going to tip the scale. Just remember that. There's that small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, he's going to 